Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You have all probably experienced the inconveniences, the disappointments of the great resignation. Right? So, for instance, Pastor told me uh, about something that I thought was interesting. So you go, you get a hankering for some food at maybe a, an establishment somewhere around town, and they say, it's a 45-minute wait. And you think, wow, 45-minute wait, there's nobody in the restaurant. Well, it's not because there's too many people in the restaurant. It's why? Because there's not enough people working at the restaurant. The great resignation hit a little bit closer to home. The beautiful Savior recently found out that one of the suppliers of our plastic communion cups is out of business. Out of business. Not because they didn't have enough business, but because why? What do you think? Not enough workers. You're correct if that's what you think. Now I understand, I get it, that we all want to find in our vocations, we want to find an employer that can provide adequate wages, right? Sufficient benefits, flexible hours, a healthy working environment. I get it. But the great resignation has affected our overall attitudes. At least that's what I see. It seems like the prevailing position in every facet of life has become What I do, what I do, I do for me. What I do, I do for me. That attitude is dangerous when it comes to relationships. And that attitude is what caused problems in the church at Corinth and what caused Paul to write a letter to that congregation. Because they were dealing with things like sexual immorality. They were dealing with things like abusing the Lord's Supper, where some people got a lot, some people got nothing. They were dealing with many issues within that congregation because of this attitude. What I do, I do for me. And it's what plagues congregations now. Martin Luther wrote the following summary an assessment of Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. And here's what he wrote, and you can see it there on the screen. In short, things got so wild, so disorderly, that everyone wanted to be the expert and do the teaching and make what he pleased out of the gospel, the sacrament, faith. Meanwhile, the Corinthians let the main thing drop. Namely, that Christ is our salvation, righteousness, and redemption. As if they had long since outgrown it. This truth of the gospel can never remain intact when people begin to imagine they are so wise and, what does it say? Know it all. Luther goes on to say, therefore, St. Paul severely rebukes and condemns this shameful wisdom. 
and makes these connoisseur saints, <laughs> these connoisseur saints out to be fools. He says outright, and here's the part I really want you to hear. You wanted you to hear the whole thing, but he says outright that they know nothing of Christ or of the Holy Spirit and gifts of God given to us in Christ and that they had better begin to learn. Paul's message isn't just for the church in Corinth. It's for us here at Beautiful Savior at this time in this place. The church should not be in the business of what I do, I do for me. Placing ourselves in the limelight as the center of attention. Instead, we focus on our attention on, on what namely we let drop. What God is doing for us and in us, in the person of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We can't get too proud. We can't do, get too puffed up about our own faith because faith is a gift of the Holy Spirit that you even belong to a church in the first place happened because of God. God calling you through your baptism. Here through your baptism, God did several amazing things. He united you to His Son. United you to His Son. He joined you into the body of Christ through your baptism. And through that, poured out the Holy Spirit upon you. Right? Planted that Holy Spirit. Began that, that good work in you. That He will bring to completion in the day of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that Spirit unites us. It unites all believers in God-given faith that confesses and proclaims Jesus as God. Jesus as Savior. Jesus as Lord. Jesus as the center of our attention and devotion. In short, faith is not what I do, I do for me, but recognizes a God who has lovingly given faith to me. And so last week, Paul talked about this. You heard this last week. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. If we have faith, it is a gift. It is a gift from God. And Paul notes that God had not only blessed the Corinthian church with faith, with God-given faith, but with a variety of spiritual gifts through the Holy Spirit. And I say, what's a spiritual gift? Uh, we'll go to that more in the Bible study. I hope you'll join us. But it's a variety of things. But that we, we, are, uh, we should be grateful for these gifts that, that, the, that the Spirit pours out on us. Again, Paul doesn't say, what you do, you do for you. Paul points out to this, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Not for you, for the common good. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Did you hear the language? Let me say it to it again. To each. Maybe I should say to every Christian is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That means each of us, yes, you, no matter 
what your station in life, no matter your age, your gender, any of that, each have at least one spiritual gift. And you say, what? Hey, it's the Bible. All right. What you have is a gift bestowed on you by the Holy Spirit himself. Something that comes from God for the purpose, the explicit purpose of serving the greater good, those around you. And these gifts, as we say, as you might expect, vary among believers. They're different. They're different. But all are, all are empowered by one and the same Spirit to apportions to each individually as He wills. So it is God's plan, God's working, God's doing that you even have this gift in the first place. Don't be so surprised, guys. You have a vocation as a church member. We're just not used to speaking in this way. You're used to living out your other vocations, your many vocations, whether that's a parent, right? As a child, as a sibling, as a worker, neighbor, citizen, and many other vocations, right? And so God calls you in these vocations to specific ways of serving those around you. Right, depending on that vocation. He calls you to serve those around you. Not because you're saved by it. Not because doing those vocations earns God's favor in some way. But because your neighbor needs it. It is God's holy will that you serve those around you. Again, not as a, a work to be saved but as something that God empowers you, gifts you to do for the benefit of those around you. That includes those in the church. Paul writes as a summary in this chapter 12 of, of this whole idea. He says, you are the body of Christ. You're part of it. And individually members of it. He is showing the unity that we share. This this metaphor of the body, okay? And the unity that we share. Just think of your body and, and how it works together. The individual members work together. You don't think about it. You, it just happens, right? Well, I guess your brain does do it, but you don't have to think about it, really, necessarily. You are the body of Christ and individual members of it. Your hands, your feet, your arms and your legs, your lungs, your heart, all designed by God to have their place in your body. And so too it is with the members of the church, right? All have their function to support the body. So too it is with the members of the church. That's what Paul is saying. And if you say, well, that doesn't apply to me. Boy, Paul's got a... He continues on. Here's the deal, though, okay? Because of the what I do, I do for me attitude that prevails fallen human, sinful, broken humans, right? Fallen, sinful, broken humans. There we go. What I do, I do for me. Divisions developed in Corinth over spiritual gifts. 
Some believed themselves to be higher or because of how they were mistreated, lower on a higher or lower spiritual level than ordinary Christians, right? I'm not as, I'm better, I'm not as good. When all stand as sinners, undeserving sinners, equally redeemed in Christ by God's undeserved favor, right? That had been forgotten. Jesus had been forgotten. Sometimes the grass, the grass is always greener. You know, things that are meant to bring about joy and blessing sometimes cause real problems. Gifts, right? So I was just talking to, I hope Sandy doesn't mind. But she was telling me about a birthday party in which you had two sisters who shared the same birthday and a brother who was just couldn't handle it because it wasn't his birthday, right? What has turned out to be a blessing, you know, People have a hard time with. And so I'm going to show you an extreme version of this. All right. I don't know if you've ever seen this video. So there's this bit that Jimmy Kimmel does. He's a late night TV show host. And what he does is he encourages people to mess with their kids. Uh, so one of the things he does is, he, is I gave my kid a terrible Christmas present. Okay. And so he has the parents do that, videotape the exchange, send it to him for use on the air. So the older boy there on the left asked for a Nintendo 3DS, okay? Little game system for those of you who don't know what that is. And the parents cut out for him a 3, a D, and an S. Here you go. Here's your 3DS, right? <laughs> Now, you can imagine the reaction. What I mean, he was furious, right? But the, the really funny part comes when his brother gets his gift, okay? The brother gets, for his gift, a sweet potato. And initially, he's like, what is this? And they say, it's a sweet potato. And he gets this big smile on his face, right? And he accepts the gift. And he says, this is really kind of a good gift, right? He's so, you know, he accepts it. The brother loses it, right? The brother who had received the three and the D and the S changes it from this isn't what I wanted to. That's not fair. I got the worst. He got the best. It's a sweet potato. Right? There's a difference, though, between the spiritual gifts that you and I have. An extreme difference. We look at our spiritual gifts like that sometimes, but the difference is that every gift that is there is, is needed. Each one of you is significant. Each one of you means something to the congregation. And its overall function, even if you don't see it. And here's the difference between Jimmy Kimmel and the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot of differences between Jimmy Kimmel and the Holy Spirit. But let's just stick to the one with the sermon. The Holy Spirit does not play tricks, okay? Or pranks. He does not give spiritual gifts to humiliate you. 
or to degrade you or to fool with you or for you to keep it to yourself. What does Paul say? What you do, you do for you? No, he does not write that. He writes, to each is given, so it's not what you're doing, is given, right, it's passive, is given the manifestation of the Spirit. For you know, brothers and sisters in Christ, for the common good. Every part of the body no matter how insignificant or important it may seem to us, has a vital and God-given role to serve the whole and is placed according to God's design, according to God's gift, according to God's will. You are significant. Paul shows how ridiculous this idea of of I'm not good enough or I'm too good, how it's just ridiculous and how I wish I were X, X, X. Right? And what he does is he has this fake conversation between body parts. Hand, right? Hand and foot and hand. Eye and ear. You know? This never happens, right? Your hand doesn't say, hey, I... I." That's the whole thing. A jealous exchange between a foot and a hand. Hopefully your foot doesn't want to be your hand. I guess if you can't bend over when you get old, it happens sometimes. I don't know. <laughs> but what if your foot, just imagine it, and put, put, just imagine this, okay? Help to, just imagine this. It will help to really bring the, bring the point of the sermon across. If your foot wanted to be a hand. First of all, God didn't design your foot that way. Secondly, if that desire were granted, the body would have an extra hand. You'd be missing a foot, right? The body's out of whack. What if your ear wanted to be an eye? God didn't design it that way. Second, if the desire were granted, right, you'd have an extra eye and be missing an ear. The body would be out of whack. As you receive God's gifts, Pastor Martin Luther, Professor Martin Luther, Dr. Martin Luther talked about when we, when we come to the, to the divine service, we come with an empty sack. And God fills our sack with grace and mercy and forgiveness and His Spirit, not only for us, but for others. As you learn and grow in Christ and receive His love for you, unconditional love through the means of grace. The Holy Spirit grants you, gives the assurance of God's word from Paul to trust that what he has given you is valuable. It's good. It's needed. And it has been given according to his will, which is always good and always right. But in fact, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as He chose. If all were a single member, right? If everybody's trying to be an eye, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. You know who went through this is Peter. He went through this in a way. Jesus told Peter he was going to die for the faith, right? He told him by what death he was going to die. And 
As Peter sort of is trying to process, he, 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 said, he asked to Jesus, well, what about John over here? Jesus dismissed the concern, responding to Peter in this way, if it's my will that he remain until I return, what is that to you? Follow me. Simply stated, John and Peter had the same Lord. They had the same spirit. They had the same salvation, but a different trajectory in what the Lord had planned for them and given them to do in their vocation. Each gave unique contributions. Peter and John were not the same. Nor should they be. Thank God for that. It's the same with you. So we can't think we're inferior. We also can't think we're superior. Again, everything is a gift from God. We can't take credit for our spiritual gifts. The gift is inseparable from the God who bestows it. A gift of grace is not the Christian's possession. Okay? But given, bestowed, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And arrogance misunderstands the source and the purpose of the gift. Misunderstands it. Each part of the body is essential. We can't say, I don't need that. I don't imagine that. I, I, don't, I don't need the hand. Whatever it is. Even the smallest part of your body can affect the, the whole in, in very, uh, very serious ways. Toothache. You ever have something wrong with your tooth that makes your whole body ache? Or you stub your toe at night? Your little toe? Oh my gosh. Sends you through the roof. Both send pain throughout the body. Missing a tooth can cause vanity and all kinds of pain issues. If you have to get rid of a toe, balance issues. Each member affects the others. We are connected to Christ in His body. And we should view our congregation like we view our body. And so here's what Paul says. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Our gifts are not given so that we can be prideful about them or resent them. Say, oh, I wish I had a different one. So let's put it in perspective really quickly. What if the quilters all wanted to suddenly be gardeners? We would miss out on certain gifts, and have an overabundance of others. What if the Sunday school teachers wanted to be musicians and they didn't want us to teach Sunday school anymore? Same deal. And here's the malady right now. Here's the malady with the great resignation. What if people just didn't want to share the gifts God had given? What I do, I do for me. What then? What if more and more people decided they just want to stay home, back away, keep within the confines of the living space, or do drive-by spirituality? How does that fit in with Paul's description of the body and the vocations, our vocations, your vocations, as members of the body of Christ? That is our malady. Not just here, but in a lot of places. Sum up. God's Word reminds you, one, you have a spiritual gift. You have it. 
2, this gift is from God Himself. It should not be despised as unimportant or insignificant. And on the other hand, viewed as a human achievement or source of pride. Three, that gift is given and designed, what? To be used in your various vocations. We're talking about your vocation as a church member to be used within the congregation. You are part of a bigger body. And four, you are redeemed by God's undeserved favor in Christ. Why is that there? Because you can choose not to exercise your vocation or not, but you're still a member of the body. And you might not do your vocation perfectly. In fact, you won't. But you are redeemed by God's undeserved favor in Christ. When you have issues, when you have doubts, when you have failures in your vocation, you don't cease to be part of the body. The good news is this. It is by God's choice, God's design, God's activity. You are just as He made you to be. And despite our shortcomings, despite our failures, you are the body of Christ. You are the body of Christ in this place at this time. Individually members of it. And thanks be to God for that. Amen. Now may the peace which transcends all human understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.